Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Gospel Saving Church. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Praise be to God. Whether you're in Gospel Saving Church today or whether you're coming to us online or you've gotten a CD from somebody or whatever, God bless you. And, and thanks be to God that you've taken the time out of your day to, to listen and, and, and focus on the Word of God and something that God is saying. For that pleases God. Anytime we take time out of our lives and show Him He's important, this is what God says makes, brings him, His attention to you. So if you're looking at getting God's attention... Start crying out to God. Start listening to the Word of God. Start picking up your Bible more if you really want to get God's attention and you really want to get answers to God. And praise God, you've gotten this CD or you've come online or you're here today. Praise God. If this is your first time listening to me, I'm Pastor Ed Spagnoli. I come to you from McKinney, Texas, and this is Gospel Saving Church, one of God's true churches in this last times that we live in now. And this is our weekly broadcast of truth from God's Word. We always start with a word of prayer, so if you guys would please join me and ask the Lord to bless my mouth and bless our ears and help our minds to understand, because we know the word says that I'm not your teacher, it's only by the Holy Spirit is why we learn anything or why we're able to be taught anything. So let's pray and ask God for his blessing on this message, shall we? Thank you so much, Lord, for bringing us here. Thank you so much, Lord God, for your word, for your word, Lord God. Thank you so much that you give it to us, Lord, and you give it freely, Lord, and, and that, Lord, you give so much freely to those who ask, Lord, and those who seek you, Lord. You, you give so much freely. We just thank you for your, 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 your givingness, your, 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 you know, your heart of, of, of giving. And, Lord, we just pray that we would have that heart towards you as well, too. Lord, that we would have a heart of giving. But, you know, you have everything. All you really want is ourselves. You really want our hearts. You really want our obedience to your word, Lord. So may we have that heart of giving unto you, Lord God. And, and of course, how do we know what to give, Lord? Help us to understand this word today. Help us to understand this message and your holy word in the Bible today, Lord God. For that is how we know what you want. Lord, you've communicated to us the main way through this holy book that I have here before me. That, that many people shed their blood to, to write this word and to get it into a language that everybody can understand. And that even all over the world, Lord, thank you for that. And just help us to understand. Enlighten us today, Lord God, by your Holy Spirit, by your wisdom, Lord God, as you see that we're seeking you. Because we know that you see those that seek you. We know that you pay attention to that. Lord, thank you, and we love you, and we praise you. And we ask all these things in Jesus Christ's mighty name. Amen. So you can turn to Acts chapter 5. We're going to be in 30, we're going to be in verses 32 through 42 today, but I'm not going to read them or I'm not going to teach them until after my thoughts from last week's message. God only gives his Holy Spirit to those who obey Jesus. Instead of a huge exhortation today, God just led me this way. There's no single greater experience in the whole wide world than being and becoming born again and living as a born-again child of God unto Jesus Christ. You get to literally have an intimate relationship with the creator of the universe, the one true God. And that would be the one and only one, capital G, God. There's no, no other. And, and you get to talk to and hear from him, and you get to get direction and guidance from him, and, and know without a shadow of a doubt that when you speak to him, he's listening. Wow. Isn't that awesome? I know sometimes when I even speak to people, I just don't feel they're listening to me. But if we're walking with the Lord and we're born again, we know absolutely He says that when we speak, He listens to us. You get to walk with Him in fellowship and have joy in Him and even peace in Him as long as you keep your mind stayed on Him, of course, in His goodness. Isaiah 26.3, you will keep Him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because why because oh because he just think about you no because he trusts in you wasn't i just praying about that earlier before service even started after our communion if we just trust in him with everything and what will happen we'll have perfect peace in him but that's not all we get to walk with him in trials yay in tribulations and troubles and woes and fires and storms and even betrayals because they're going to happen and if you haven't happened, if you haven't had them happen to you just yet, well, just live a little longer. You'll have them happen to you because they're going to happen. This it's a guarantee. Boy, do they happen! But we get to walk with them 
in those. We're not alone when we go through those. David said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. So yay, we don't just get to walk with him in peace and joy and love and all his good things. We get to walk through him even when there's bad times in our lives, right? But through it all, as long as we stay the course and continue with him, Jesus Christ promises to never leave us and he'll always take care of us and be with us no matter wherever we may go. Isn't all of that awesome? That is so awesome. Then when we die, after not having to be afraid of death, right? Because we trusted in the Lord all of our lives, right? Then when we die, we get to go be with the love of our lives. Jesus Christ forever, for the rest of all eternity. It's just so, so awesome. And that's why Jesus said what he did in John 16, These things I've spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation. He didn't say may. He said you will have tribulation. So yay, we get to even walk with him even through the trying and terrible times. And we can even have peace through those times if we just keep our minds stayed on him and we keep focused on him. There's no greater experience in the whole world than becoming born again and living as a born-again person in Christ. Truly walking with Jesus Christ is truly an awesome experience. It really, really is. Today, if you're not born again, or if you're not really, I don't know if I'm born again, then all you have to do, I, I beg of you, please obey what Jesus Christ told you to do in Matthew 16, 24. And be obedient to what Christ said you must do in order to become born again. He says this, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. Let him turn to me. Let him call on my name. Let him surrender to me as the Lord of their lives instead of them being the Lord of their own lives. And then after you're saved, because you can't do anything really to to please God until after you're born again and saved, then he says, Take up your cross. Then, hey, put to death the deeds of the flesh and the sinful acts of your flesh. And then, of course, when you do this, look at my words, read my words, follow me. Do the things that I did. We'll talk about that a little later, but do the things which I did. He's calling everyone right now. You know what? He's calling everybody that's, even if you're saved or whether whether you're saved or whether you're lost, he's calling you to surrender. Did you know that? Because we all have things in our lives, whether we know them or not, that we kind of have in the back of our minds about maybe that we're worrying about or maybe that we're... So even if you're saved, God's saying, surrender all those things to me. Keep your mind, keep your mind stayed on me and I'll give you peace. Or, or if you're not born again and you want to walk with God like this, then surrender for the first time your life, not just the issue, but your life so that you be, could become a child of the living God. Praise God. That's so awesome. There's, everything's awesome in God. Anyway, let's get on to our new sermon for today, shall we? Message title, Gamaliel's Advice. Gamaliel's Advice. We're going to read Matthew 5, 32 through 42, and then I'm going to teach him. So if you want to join me, start in verse 32 of Matthew 5. And I know I read over one of these verses last week, but I had to come back. I'll explain as we go. We, we read this. We start here, and we are his witnesses, starting off in, in the, the apostles or Peter's final statements to the religious leaders. And we are his witnesses to these things, and also is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those whom obey him. When they heard this, meaning that last statement, they were furious and plotted to kill them. Then one of the council stood up, a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law held in respect by all the people, and commanded them to be to put the apostles outside for a little while. And he said to them, Men of Israel, take heed to yourselves what you intend to do regarding these men. For some time ago, Thad, or Thaddeus, or Thaddeus, I'm not real sure how to pronounce that, rose up claiming to be somebody. A number of men, about 400, joined him. Uh, he was slain, and all who obeyed him were scattered and came to nothing. After this man, Judas of Galilee rose up. Not the Judas that followed Jesus, but Judas of Galilee rose up in the days of the census and drew away many people after him, after him. And he also perished, and all who obeyed him were dispersed. And now I say to you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or this work is of men, it will come to nothing. But if it is of God, you cannot overthrow it. Least even be found to be, least you even be found to be fighting against God. 
And they agreed with him. And when they had called for the apostles and had beaten them, they commanded them that they should speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. So they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were kind of worthy to suffer shame for his name. And daily in the temple and in every house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. Okay, starting off, I got to do a big, 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 big recap here. Kind of what I kind of talked about last week. So, so far, beginning in chapter 5, we read about how God was using the apostles in mighty ways to preach the gospel and, and doing many signs and wonders, miracles, and miraculous works, even including casting out demons, uh, uh, those that were oppressed. And as a result of all these amazing workings, multitudes of people have been both coming from all over to receive the benefit of those signs, wonders, and miracles, and also been getting saved. Praise God, right? And you may remember this. But as good as all these things were, Acts chapter 5 here, we saw the devil saw it, hated it, rose up against the apostles through the religious leaders, severely attacked them a second time, first time being in Acts 4, put them in jail like common criminals again for the second time. Remember, God counters in verse 19 by sending an angel to them to open the prison doors and let the apostles out, then commanding them to go and preach again in the temple. They do. The religious leaders send for them in jail to put them on trial again, only to find out that they're not there, but the guards are. And in verse 24, the religious leaders wondered what the outcome would be. And although they were out of prison, the devil wasn't done with them yet, so they were not out of the fire. And I kind of closed with that the last week. Uh, last week we read that they go and bring them out from the temple, gently and with kindness, of course. Remember, the, if they wouldn't have, the people would have stoned them or killed them possibly because, you know, they were, you know, <laughs> they, they loved the apostles. Uh, but once away from the people in secret, the cowards, because they were cowards, harshly put the apostles on trial again, speak with them with scorn, asking them and basically telling them, didn't we command you not to preach in the name of that Jesus anymore? Apostles answer with a smackdown mini-message. We ought to obey God, or in other words, we will not listen to you. We must listen to God. Notice that they made a choice. They said we ought not. That means that we will not listen to you. They made a choice. They made a choice to keep obeying God and not men. We must listen to God and not you. Because uh, he told us to preach Jesus and we can't obey anything that he said not to do. We can't not do what he said to do. Apostles tell religious leaders some powerful things about Christ. They end up their little mini-sermon telling them, verse 2, So also is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those whom obey Him. And this is where I ended last week's message and where I'm picking up today's message because there's another point to be seen in that verse and that point takes us into the very next verse as well. We ended last week again. God only gives His Holy Spirit to those who obey Jesus Christ. Then our very next verse Verse 33, and I already pointed out this and when I was reading it through it real quick. When they heard this, they, when they heard this, notice it didn't say when they heard all that they said, but it says when they heard this, meaning that very last thing that they said, they were furious and plotted to kill them. Why did these religious leaders get so angry with the apostles for saying that last statement? Why? All the apostles said was that unless someone obeys Jesus, they don't have God's Holy Spirit? I mean, that's all they said. Well, what was such a big deal to them about this? Why such a big deal enough that they were going to wipe them off the face of the planet and put them in the grave, right? Well, to us today, because of what Scripture tells us in the New Testament, we know that unless we have God's Holy Spirit living in us, we aren't God's property and not God's God's spiritual child, right? And, and we won't go to heaven when we die. That's what we know today. That's what scripture tells us today. Unless you are born again, you shall not enter. You shall not see the kingdom of God, right? That's pretty powerful. Uh, and there was really, think about this. I want, well, you know, maybe don't know this, but there was not much difference with the religious leaders of the apostles day. There was a difference, but not much as to why they got so mad, so angry. See, they also had an idea of an understanding of what the apostles said about the Holy Spirit, but only from an old covenant perspective. What was that understanding? Well, they wouldn't have known that, you know, under the born-again covenant that God gives His Holy Spirit and we could become born again and we're sealed for the day, you know, that's coming and, you know, we get this new life and we become this new creation. And they would have had an understanding of the Holy Spirit from an old covenant perspective. That old covenant perspective, you see, God would also only give His Holy Spirit to those whom were His kids, right? But 
Holy Spirit would in those days only come and go. Holy Spirit would not rest in and stay in and seal for the day, right? And I guess he would come and go depending on if the person had need or if God had a purpose for him being in there or for a certain amount of time. But we know that in the Old Testament that God did not leave the Holy Spirit in someone that they were born again like we are today. That's a special promise that only Christians have, only people that surrender to Christ have today. And remember what the apostle said as far as now why the, the uh, religious leaders got so angry. They said, only those who obey Jesus. Jesus have God's Holy Spirit. And think of this. Whether or not you're looking at this from an old covenant or a new covenant understanding, they got so mad because no matter which covenant you understand the Holy Spirit from, the apostles just told these religious leaders and even the high priest himself that they didn't have God's Holy Spirit. Wow! Making them what? What would that make you if you didn't have God's Holy Spirit ever? Not even coming and going? That'd make you no better than a Gentile dog. That'd make you void of God's Holy Spirit. Now, apostles did not call them Gentile dogs, but they did tell the religious leaders that they weren't of God because they, of course, didn't obey Jesus Christ, right? They were in total rebellion against him and completely not his followers at all, right? And apostles told them that God only gives his Holy Spirit to those who obey Jesus. And at that moment that they understood that the apostles called them ungodly heathens, basically, well, that made them angry. That made them get so angry that they wanted to murder them, right? And, and really, you, you can't blame them. You can't really blame them at all, right? Think about what the apostle said from a personal perspective. Let's, let's turn it around and let's, let's look through the religious leader's eyes ourselves, right? Especially if you're a pastor, rabbi, religious leader over some type of big religious group. You believe yourself a truly saved child of God, right? And someone that you're talking to who also believes themselves religious tells you you don't belong to God. You're a heathen. Ooh. Now, no matter how much you slice that up, if you really took that personally which they did, right? No matter how you slice that or dice that, that hurts. That hurts and that stings. <gasps> You're telling me I, you, I, I love God. I, I've done this and I've done these. No, you're, you're not of God because you don't obey Jesus. I, I know all those other things you do, but you don't obey Jesus, so you're not of God. Now, here's the kicker. No matter whether you're really saved or not, if you believe yourself a truly saved child of God and you're on the way to heaven, yet somebody tells you that you're not, that's going to hurt. That's going to hurt and that's going to make you angry, right? So they respond the way any person who believes himself religious and saved would act, and especially how someone who is the head of an entire religion would act, like these fellows here. Think about it. This, the high priest was there. There was nobody above him in Judaism. He was the man of Judaism. And no no wonder why they get angry, even to the point of wanting to kill them. These guys, especially the, the, the high priests, were used to really being highly respected by people. I mean, people literally worshiping them, right? And, and on their word, if they said, oh, you're doing good in God's eyes. People would go, oh, yeah, all right. And if they said, oh, no, you're not, people would go, oh, no, right? And on their word, people would either think they're good with God or bad with God. Yet here, the disciples tell them they're bad with God. They're not right with God. So no wonder why they get so angry. Now, now during that time, uh, God, now, during a time, God had called me to the streets doing evangelism. I ran into many who fit into this category, not necessarily religious leaders, but common people who claim to be true Christians. And what happened to me when God first called me here to Texas, which coming to Florida where God saved me, this never hardly ever happened. I found out in Texas here that almost 90% of everyone you meet call them, calls themselves a Christian. Uh, yeah, right. 90%? And when I first started in Texas with 9 out of 10 people calling themselves Christians, God had to kind of tweak my evangelism style a little bit. You say, how? Well, you see, as you're in a spiritual conversation with somebody who professes to be a child of God, yet they know nothing of the Bible, and they tell you things like, well, I was born as a Christian. Oh, there's no Holy Spirit. There's no heaven or hell. God's really a woman, don't you know? All roads lead to heaven. Oh, you know, God loves the homosexuals and they're going to be saved too. Yeah, they're just people. They love God too. They're good people. They use profanity during their conversation with you and they're practicing alcoholics. You kind of know that they're really not born again and not on God's path of salvation because God says in his word that once he comes and lives inside of somebody with 
Holy Spirit, they won't practice a willful lifestyle those things anymore. Yet, when you when asked them, they would say, "Hey, I'm a child of God. I'm a Christian. I'm born again. I'm 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 saved." Right? And on top of that, these professing Christians would say that they were saved and born again for 20 and 30 and 40 and maybe even more years. And yet they believed and thought all those things that were anti-Bible and that were false and against God's word. Yet, yet that's impossible. That, that's not how God operates in someone's life after they're truly born again and saved and they stay on this path with this Holy Spirit living within them. So you really knew that they were not child of God, that they were not born again Christians, but when you told them they weren't born again, oh, I'm hearing these things, hey, you're not saved, man, you're not, you're not a child of God, boy, and you're not going to heaven either, boy, <laughs> they get mad, and they act just like the religious leaders do in the scripture that we read of today, how, how dare you say that, I'm a child of God, I was born again, I'm 30 years ago, yeah, man, blank, yeah, what are you talking about, young whippersnapper? And then what would happen was the witness would just get in anger and, and they'd want to beat me up. And, and God showed me that he loves them anyway and that he really wants to reach them. So he showed me a more excellent way to reach people. I learned, this is what I learned from God's, God and his Holy Spirit, to help the person I was witnessing to, to come to that conclusion to the fact that they really weren't a child of God and going to heaven from the Holy Scriptures instead of just me telling them that they weren't saved, which to them was just my opinion. And I then doing this, you see, is, is hey, well, what about this? And well, what about this? And well, what about this? And well, what about that? And hey, the Bible says this and the Bible says, well, where, you know, where are you there? Well, why, well, I don't know what, well, then how can, if you don't know that, how can you really be? And you see, helping them come to the conclusion that they weren't right with God was way better than me just like the apostles here with the religious leaders. Like, well, you know, you're really just not saved. Did you know that? Well, dummy, what do you think about, you know, you just don't tell people that. Well, anyway, God brought me a whole bunch of people and we, over a several year period, we reached thousands of people, but, and that was awesome. But, uh, you know, that's not what the apostles did here with the religious leaders. Uh, sadly, you know, and this is sad to me as I was doing this, studying for this section of scripture, sadly, I'm not sure that the apostles and God were really still trying to save these religious leaders here at this point in time because they had had this truth of Jesus Christ. They saw what he did. They saw the miracles. They saw the miracles of the apostles and they saw all that was going on, yet they still rejected God, they were still in rejection over Jesus Christ. This kind of became, uh, in a sense, almost like a Pharaoh situation with these uh, religious leaders, I, I, my, I think, here in this section. Because, really, Pharaoh had a whole bunch of chances to accept what God was doing and, and turn to God and surrender to his path back in, you know, in the Egypt days with the children of Israel. Where God was leading the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt, but they, he didn't. So God says, God says he hardened his heart, and I really think that that may have been what God had already done here to these religious leaders, because again, they had all that they needed to know, yet they still rejected it. And if you harden your heart towards God long enough, for a long enough amount of time, unfortunately, Scripture says that you can actually sear your conscience off permanently and kind of cut yourself off from God on your end, where God really can't reach you, and then you're really gone. So I think. That's probably why the apostles didn't reach out to them in a more productive and non-confrontational way. Because they could have, you know, well, hey guys, you know, what does God's word say? What was the Christ supposed to be? Oh, he was supposed to come from here. Oh, and, and what was the Christ supposed to do? Oh, he was supposed, well, then how come Jesus couldn't, you know, they could have reached them in a non, more non-confrontational way to help them realize that they weren't really right with God, but, but they didn't. They kind of just hit it hard and kind of that sparked their, you know, their anger. Oh, how dare you tell them they got angry? And then they wanted to kill him. So anyway, I just, I see that in scripture here. Uh, getting back, apostles tell religious leaders that they aren't who they think they are in God. They aren't really saved. Rather, they're really like Gentile dogs and heathens because they're, they don't have God's Holy Spirit living within them because they're not obeying Jesus. And what do they do? They get simply angry and, and super angry and, and they plot how they might kill them. And just as these religious leaders are about to wipe these guys off the face of the planet and put them in the grave, 
God delivers them from this fire, from this trial, from this persecution, through a mouth of one of their very own, a religious Jew named Gamaliel. Uh, Look at what he says here. Look at verses 34 through 39. I'm only going to be commenting on these kind of as I go. Uh, Then one in the council stood up, a Pharisee. That's important. I'm going to bring that up in a bit. Named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, held in respect by all people, and commended them to put the apostles outside for a little while. Now, Verse 17 of chapter 5 tells us that in the beginning when the apostles were first arrested, the only ones that they had that had arrested them were the high priests and the people of the sect of the Sadducees. But here we see that the apostles' trial now attracted some more people, some more people called the Pharisees. And so now enter a super religious man named Gamaliel, a Pharisee. And what does he do? He commands those with and around himself to put the apostles outside for he had something to say. Now, if you think about this, I see God's hand in this totally. I just see the hand of God here in a mighty, mighty way. This is pretty powerful. This guy, considering that he's a Pharisee and the Sadducees, and they didn't, and we have Sadducees and Pharisees here, and they didn't see eye to eye on their biblical doctrine. Uh, you see, Gamaliel, a Pharisee, commands. Now, that's a harsh word. Now, if they didn't see eye to eye, that meant that they're, you know, kind of at odds all the time. Yet this very powerful religious man, a Pharisee, yet he, they're against Sadducees and Sadducees are against them. He commands everyone around him, including the Sadducees, to basically shut up and orders the disciples outside. Yet, strange, they managed to come together at the apostles' trial, even though they didn't agree together on what God's word said. As I said, I see God's hand in this Gamaliel's advice, considering it is the advice that God uses to deliver them from this fire. And had Gamaliel not been there, (laughs) the disciples or apostles would have probably died under these other guys' hands. So sometimes God uses strange methods, amen? Uh, In my understanding, with his kids and how he helps us sometimes. Now, I'm not questioning them, you see. But I will say sometimes and in my life over the past 17 years, God's used some pretty strange methods to help me out of some situations and and to help me. and And I see that here. What exactly is Gamaliel's advice that gets the apostles out of the fire and trial persecution that they were in for the second short time? Look at verse 35. And he said to the men of Israel, take heed to yourselves what you intend to do regarding these men. Hey, guys, you better be careful how you handle these guys. Hey, you better be careful. Better watch out what you say and what you do. 36, for some time ago, Theudas or or Thaddeus rose up, claiming to be somebody. A number of men, about 400, joined him, and he was slain, and all who obeyed him scattered and came to nothing. After this man, Judas of Galilee, not the Judas of Jesus, rose up in those days of the census and drew away many people after him. He also perished, and all who obeyed him were dispersed. So Gamaliel reminds them of a couple of rebellious Jewish men, either zealots or those claiming to have the or a another way to heaven, right? There's so many people that stood up over the years and claimed to have another way, or, oh, this is the way to heaven, right? And they rose up, and they were probably in rebellion against Rome because of their rule. You see, Israel was under Rome's authority at this time. They were under their control, and these religious zealots had gained a little power and some followers, yet they were both killed in their new religious sects and or religious rebellions against Rome. They came to fail, and they came to nothing. They just, they ended. With this in mind, Gamaliel says, verse 38, And now I say to you, keep away from these men and let them alone. I'm telling you guys, you better get away from them for, or because, that's what that word means, it's like a conjunction word, for or because, if this plan or this work, these miracles, signs, wonders, their preaching of Jesus is of men, it will come to nothing. That's pretty explanatory, right? Hey, if they're not of God, they're going to fail. But, 39, If it is from God, you cannot overthrow it. If it's from our God or Jehovah or God Almighty, then you won't be able to stop it and it will grow and become powerful, etc., 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 right? At least you even be found to fight against God here. So basically he's saying if we do fight against them and they are from God, then basically God's going to see it and he's going to see us that we're really fighting against him and they really didn't think that they wanted to fight against him. Really, they didn't even know it, but although they weren't trying to be against God, they really were uh, against God and they were really wicked men. They were really self-deceived, the worst of all kind, because they thought Jesus wasn't the Christ and they had convinced themselves that he wasn't, even though he was. So even though they weren't trying 
to be fighting against God. They were really already fighting against God already because they were against Jesus. I don't think anyone really wants to be found fighting against God in his eyes, like these guys said. I say, you know, we have Gamaliel's advice, and now we have Ed Spagnoli's advice. Stay far, far away. Uh, consider the battle with God, right? Consider the battle. If you're against him, don't, don't battle with God. Stay far, far away from that. That's my advice. Sadly, many are already found fighting against God and because they won't surrender. Now, I'll touch on that a little later. Look at their response, this first part of verse 40. And they agreed. So what he said delivered the apostles from the fire. That's awesome. Now, I have a brother in the Lord which says often, God can use a bent, strict, God can use a bent stick to strike a straight blow. And that means that God can use something kind of ungodly. That he could use something that's, you know, kind of false or untrue to do a great work for his kingdom. For instance, uh, back in the day, we have uh, China has what they call the TSP or the Three Self-Patriotic Movement in China. Now, this is a government-controlled church, yet back in the day, even as far back as, you know, for forever, as long as they've been there, God has always managed to, because some of his word is read there. Now, it's under government control, but... God would, you know, God's word would still be read there. Well, there were reports that people were still getting saved coming out of this church, even though they really weren't preaching, you know, teachings to save people. But yet God still used the devil's work there in the TSP to still save people. We have God still working with, look at the donkey with Balaam. Balaam was going to curse Israel and the donkey, look what, God used the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. A donkey speaks to Balaam? I tell you what, if a donkey spoke to me, I'd straighten up my path right away. But no, stupid Balaam, he didn't. He just kept on going. And then wicked Balaam's coming to curse Israel, right? He goes there to curse him. What what does God do? God says, oh, no, you're not going to do that. You're going to say what I tell you to say. Boom, you're going to say this. And so God does use sometimes bent sticks to strike straight blows. And this is true in this case. Now, when I say that, I say that God used wrong advice to give a godly thing, make a godly thing happen. How dare I say this? Wasn't Gamaliel's advice 100% divinely perfect? Well, yes, but also no. Let me explain. In the disciples' case, from the Christian perspective, it was absolutely 100% true because we know that they were from God and they were keeping on going and they were preaching Jesus and their truths of God that they knew firsthand to be true and they kept on doing these things and it was going to fill the whole world. They don't know it yet, but we know it now and this was 100% absolutely true. Gamaliel said, if it's from God, it's going to keep going. If it's from God, you can't fight against it. It's going to keep going. It's going to get bigger. We won't be able to stop it. Hey, we better not fight against them because you know what? If we do, we could be found fighting against God in his own eyes. But can we take Gamaliel's advice 100% truth across the board for all religions and all religious sects of religions and say it's absolute truth like gravity in those cases too? Absolutely not. We cannot say, how dare I say that? Well, remember his vice. If they're doing what's of man, it will fail. But if it's from God, it'll keep going. Again, true in their case in Christianity, but his advice is false across the board because let's just take his advice advice towards uh, Catholicism. Let's take his advice toward Mormonism. How about the Jehovah's Witness organization or the emergent church movement or Islam or Buddhism or Hinduism, just to name a few. Each of these seven separate religions or religious sects is absolutely huge. (laughs) And what do they do? They absolutely fill the whole world. Really, they do. Between Catholicism and Islam, you have almost around 3 billion people. Oh, there's only just about 7 billion people in the whole world. So they almost have, just between the two, they almost have half of the world's population. Now, Why does Gamaliel's advice for these seven total religions or sects of religions fail? Because each of them is huge, it's growing, it's engulfing the whole world with no signs of stopping, yet there's a problem. Not one of them is from God. Not even one. They're totally man-created and led by Satan. Absolutely. How can I say that they're from the devil? Well, simply, there's three main things that we can look at for all of those religions or religious sects that show us that they're not of God. Number one, 
Each of them have severe contradictions, and they severely contradict one another. Their gods are completely different. One God says this, one God says this, one God says that. And they completely contradict one another. They can't all be from the same God because one God is not going to contradict himself in even 50 different ways. If it's, if it's a true sect, God's going to speak the same way and he's not going to contradict himself in 50 sects, but they just may have, you know, ways that they want to worship him differently, right? And then that, that would be one God, but they don't. So that's a contradiction. That's, they're not from God. Number two, they can't be tested or proven uh, that any one that, that anything other than one man created him because in each one of those religions one man created him and that one man is dead. Jeho- uh, Joseph Smith's dead. Charles Taz Russell's dead and Muhammad's dead. Yet they all created their prospective religions and they're dead unlike Jesus Christ, right? He's he died but he rose again. He he's not dead still to this day. So he's the only one out of all the world's religions that's actually still alive. Unlike the other people that are in their graves, and you can go find them probably right now. You can dig up their grave and if there's, they have their graves. But anyway, the third and the biggest reason we know that those religions aren't from God and they're not godly and Gamaliel's advice is false across the board is because each one of them describes a different Jesus. You see, in, in Islam, Jesus is just a good prophet. He's, you know, he's just a man of God that came to you know, support Islam and there you go. Well, in, in, in Mormonism, we got Jesus is Satan's brother. They won't, t- they won't tell you that one until you're deep. That's, that's the, that's, you got to do some research on that one. But true, you find out Mormons believe that Jesus Christ is Satan's brother. Well, uh, Jehovah's Witness organization, well, they believe that, uh, that he's the angel, uh, Mark, uh, Archangel Gabriel or something like that, or Michael the Archangel or something like that. So that, that's a different Jesus, he, and he's a created being. He was a created God and the Jehovah's Witness organization. He's a created God. He's not, he's not the God that was with God in the beginning, as John 1 says, and as you know, God says in the beginning, God was in, you know, in the beginning. Anyway, and, and, and uh, what, what else we got? We got uh, they're just not the same Jesus, right? They're not the same Jesus. He's a different Jesus. So we know they're not from God because he's not. Oh, and, uh, this is another one. God just brought it back to me. Catholicism. Well, he's not the Christ because Catholicism believes in all ways. Hey, hey, everybody, as long as you're a good person, no matter what religion you're in, well, God will see that goodness in you. Well, you got If Jesus is not the Christ, he's not the one of the Bible. Okay, so each one of these different religions, although fit Gamaliel's advice, we know that they're not from God. And we know that if his advice was true, like gravity truth, like absolute truth, then it would fit in every single situation, in every single category. We know that if a religion is really from God, it's not going to be full of contradictions. It can, be, it can be proven. It can, it's going to describe the correct Jesus, the Savior of the world, the only Christ of God, the only one by which all mankind must be saved. And again, Gamaliel said that if any religion or sect of religion was really of God, then it would keep going or grow and be a success. And yet in reality, of, of all religions and all faith, his advice is not true across the board like gravity because we see many false religions and and religious sects that fit his description of religion from god yet they're not from god at all and totally man-made by the devil's leading gamaliel's advice was and is not an absolute uh, or absolute truth like gravity just because a religion or a sect of religion grows or continues on or becomes global it does not make it from god it really doesn't Just because you may see a huge religion somewhere, a huge sect of Christianity, does not make it from God. The true religion of God is pure, is holy, undefiled, having no contradiction, provable, teaches the way of eternal life that doesn't depend on man's good works, right? Or man's godly works, for we have none, really. We can do some good works, but it's not any kind of good work that's really going to help us get to heaven, right? God's truth path is through Jesus Christ and obedience of Jesus Christ alone and no other. Many are the works of the devil through mankind, though. And shockingly, though, and this is kind of the opposite. What he actually said kind of worked in reverse. If, if you look at reality, it seems that the larger a religion or a religious sect is, also the falser Really, the larger it is, the more false it is. And the more they teach lies and they teach about false Christs and they teach alternate ways to have eternal salvation, it's really, really sad. 
Really, that's really what we find. Uh, even Jesus said, "Wide is the path that leads to destruction, and narrow." is the, the, the way that leads to life, right? And so yet we see here Gamaliel's advice even goes against that, right? If it's the larger it is, we, oh, wait a minute, I better be warned. Oh, that 750,000 member church, whoa, wait a minute here, is that really from God? I better check that one out. Because Jesus had like 12 disciples and even like all of them left him at one point. And um, wow, oh my gosh, well. And then while well, he had thousands, but then once they learned the truth, well, they, they, they left. So Jesus, the creator of the universe, only had 12 yet this one has 750,000 I don't know if that's really I don't know if I could say that's really from God Uh, wow you know right now getting back to the message Gamaliel's advice is not an absolute truth across the board of all religious sects considering it's flawed and fallible logic but again God did use it in a divine way for that time to get the disciples out of the fire praise God I'll say it again. I probably could have named the title of the sermon this, but I, God didn't lay it on my heart. But God sure can take a bent stick and strike a straight blow, can he? Awesome for the way he works with his kids. For he can really use anything to work for his kids. Back to our text. Although religious leaders agreed with Gamaliel's advice, they weren't quite done dealing with the apostles. The devil had one more bit of resistance to put up against them. Look at verse 40. And when they had called for the apostles and beaten them, they commanded them that they should not speak in the name of Jesus, and they let them go. Now, although they listened to Gamaliel's advice to not kill them, they didn't listen to him completely, and they did some things the to the apostles to discourage them and threaten them and to try to stop them. They call them, they beat them, and they commend them again, right? Not to preach in Jesus' name anymore a second time. Do the religious leaders' methods of discouragement work to stop the apostles? Did the devil work, did his works again? Did he work now? Did it, it, oh no, now that they beat us, that's it. That's the end. I just can't go on for Jesus. Look at verse 41. So they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. Thankfully, they did not stop. Praise God, the devil lost again. The devil tried to stop them, yet they said, nope, put their foot on the devil's head, squashed his head, and they just kept going. Now, thank God that they didn't stop for our sakes even, right? Do you know that every true believer, even that is a true believer to this day, can attribute what their perseverance to their salvation? Because had the apostles and had the disciples failed and they would have fallen away and they would have stopped, who would have been there to spread the message for us to learn when we had the opportunity to accept or reject Jesus Christ? Nobody. Because with them it would have died. Yet they kept going. And they persevered. And that's a message for us today. Not, not for this message here, but that is a message for today. After they were beaten, they rejoiced. And they probably rejoiced all the way back home. And look what right, look writes in verse 42. And daily in the temple. This is the most powerful of it all. And daily in the temple and in every house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. Look what they did. Not only did they not stop, they went right back to preaching Jesus Christ in the temple daily. Who else was in the temple? Who else was there in the temple? Let's see. The religious leaders were in the temple. The high priest was in the temple. So what did they do? They basically went back, preached Jesus Christ in the temple, right in the faces of those who told him to stop. They said, you better stop, wham, 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 whips, whatever they beat them with. And they went, oh yeah, we ought to obey God, (laughs) we're going to obey God and not you. Jesus is the Christ, turn and repent. I could see him off to the side. Didn't we tell them to shut up about that? Didn't we warn them yet they just won't stop, right? They just had to get madder and madder and madder and madder and madder. But no matter what you did to these guys... It's a proof of Jesus Christ being real because they just didn't stop. The disciples were so brave and bold. Uh, They really loved Jesus Christ, didn't they? And their lives showed proof of that. Listen to me. I I have a special little mini message for kids right now. 
if I got any kids out there, any any little ones that are listening, or you know, moms and dads, I just God just laid this on my heart at the end of this message here. I, I want to tell you this. I want you to go to your kids, and I want you to say, "Hey, you know, the Hulk, and you know, Captain America, and you know, Spider Man, and Superman. You know those guys, and you you know how you think that they're such heroes? No, don't teach your kids that no more. Teach them that the apostles were the true heroes, and then they're going to point them to the real Superman." the real and one true hero, Jesus Christ. Because they were real and they did these things and they faced real persecution, not a fantasy comic book persecution and and hardships. These guys really went through this and these guys really stood in the face of all this and they really kept going and they are the real heroes of our history and they are the real heroes that we ought to look to instead of these fake and fictional heroes that we look to that man has made, right? Really? Now, I discussed some pretty hard topics today, but the hardest one in my opinion to swallow that I taught was the one about people being self-deceived that think they're right and born right with God and born again, but really they're not. Remember, I told you I was going to talk about this later, right? This topic is so close and near and dear and important to my heart. Just last week on a popular social media site, I wrote something like this. This is how close this topic is. Just, I just put this on my heart last week and I just had to, I had to write it down. And I, Of course, it wasn't very liked and of course it wasn't very popular, but I wrote this. I have like something like over 150 friends, which is not a lot on this social media site, but only maybe four or five or six really, really like this, which I understand. I wrote this. I love Jesus Christ and I live my life like I do or like it. Do you? This is what I wrote. If you, or, and if you say that you love Jesus Christ and live like it, would others you know say that you live a lifestyle of loving Jesus Christ also? Something like this. Striving to live sinless, loving others by your actions, with clean speech without profanity, spreading the word by speech and or your lifestyle. Uh, Just to name a few ways that the Bible says that Jesus Christ lived, right? How about you is what I said. And then I referenced 1 John 2.6 for my scripture reference because if it's your opinion, it has no authority. But if it stands on the Word of God, then the Word of God has the authority, right? And this is what the Word of God says, because it says the same thing. I just said it in kind of a 2017 way, and, I, and the Word of God says like this, though. He who says he abides in him, meaning who, he who says he's his, he who says that he belongs to Jesus, listen, ought himself also to walk just as he or Jesus Christ walked. Now, adding to what I wrote them, For this message purposes, I add this. John is not saying that living your life like Jesus Christ will save your soul from hell and make you right with God because that'd be a salvation by good works. And that is a message from the devil, and that is the world's gospel. You see, you have the biblical gospel, and then you have the world's gospel. And, And the world's gospel tells you you can make it on your own. You can be good enough. You can you can save yourself. You just keep going, soldier. But the biblical gospel says surrender right? You can't make it. You're a sinner. You can't be good before God. Surrender to Jesus and give your life to him because he's the only one that's going to get you there. But anyway, that's not what John was saying there in 1 John. What John is saying there, that the tr- he's saying that the truly saved born again person or people will live like Jesus Christ and walk like Jesus Christ lived. Striving to live sinless, Loving others by your actions, clean speech. Jesus didn't ever profane anybody. Uh, uh, spreading the word by his lifestyle and by his words. And whatever other way Christ lived that we will be studying daily to always improve on. Because why? Because we are born again. That's what John was saying there. We're not going to live that way to be saved. But if we're saved, then we're going to live like him. And of course, that would include them only worshiping Christ and Jehovah God of the Bible believing that there's only one way to eternal life and righteousness in God Almighty through Christ, because that's what he taught, by grace through faith and not of ourselves. It works for the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, if anyone is is in Christ, he's a new creation. All things have passed, both all all things have become new. You see, that means that uh, a born-again person's life is going to change and their focus will be on God and Christ and pleasing them and not just this life, right? And they will trust in him for everything. And as they're reading his word, 
uh, should be daily, the Bible alone for spiritual guidance or the biblical passages for spiritual guidance, they're going to begin to be obedient to the things that God says to do and not to do, right? And they're going to be obedient to the things that God says that are important to him. But as I said already, many who profess to love Jesus Christ don't even believe he is the Christ because they say, well, all roads lead to heaven. Well, as soon as you say all roads lead to heaven, you say that there's not one way. Yet Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So all roads can't lead to heaven when or Jesus is either a liar or all roads don't lead to heaven. And I'll tell you what, I haven't found the Bible to be wrong or contradictory or, or, or false or, or to preach a false message or, to, be, or to, to, to come up as a lie. So i got to trust the Bible. And when Jesus Christ said, I'm the only way to heaven... And that's what I ought to believe. Not all roads and all paths lead to heaven. And, and born again people say that the Bible is, is the only word of God. I'm sorry, many who profess to love Christ say that Jesus isn't the only way to heaven and all roads lead to heaven. And they say that the Bible is not the only word of God because others have good books to follow as well. You know, anybody reading their religious book, you know, they can read that book and be good. And they're gonna, God's going to love them. He's going to let them into heaven. That's what people say, even though they profess to love and abide in Jesus. And the vast majority who believe themselves to be God's spiritual kids and saved practice sin as a willful way of life. Practice things like adultery, fornication, homosexuality, idolatry, speech full of foul language, blaspheming gods in Jesus Christ's name, drunkards addicted to pornography, watch filthy and almost pornographic foul language shows, both TVs and movies, road rage, love unrighteousness, they steal, and all the things alike. In fact, of many professing so-called Christians I have met, I have either met many unbelievers who live more righteous lives than they, or between unbelievers and they, you can't tell the difference between the two. Yet, the Bible says your life's supposed to be different as a born-again believer, yet people say they're born again, yet I can't see the difference. In fact, I drive local school bus for one of the local school districts, and just last week, I have... People that I drive school bus with that are professing Christians, and yet at this one school, you have to sit at this intersection and you have to wait until zero cars are coming because they only give you two lanes to turn out of. And as you're turning, the bus takes both of those lanes to make the turn, and it's super, super tight with curbs on both sides. So you have to wait till nobody's coming. So how many people never let me go as I sit there waiting to make the right-hand turn even though they know I'm going to make that right-hand turn? And how many never hold up or park back and let me go. Yet who did I see let me out just last week? Who? A Muslim lady with a hijab on her head. Now all these professing Christians know I got to make that turn. That They don't let me, they don't stop and let me make that turn. Yet a Muslim who doesn't even really love God the correct way to go to heaven, they let me out. They love me more than so many professing Christians. Right? That's terrible. So if you're listening to me today, and I just described you and what I just said, and all the things I just said, not, not necessarily about the Muslim, I pray today, I hope today, you'll examine your lifestyle up against the Bible and see for yourself if you're really a true child of God and you're born again. Remember what John said, 1 John 2, 6. He who says he abides in him, who he loves Jesus Christ, I am a Christian, ought himself also to walk just as he or Jesus Christ walked. If you live a willful lifestyle of sinful ways, as I just described, and if you don't believe that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven, my question to you is this. Did Jesus Christ live those ways? Did Jesus Christ believe those things? No way, Jose. So, oh man, woman, or child, whoever you may be, just listen to me. If you consider yourself a child of God, saved, yet your lifestyle is not aimed at striving to live your life like Jesus Christ lived his, with his life as your pattern, as what you're supposed to look at, so I'm supposed to live that way, I'm going to strive to live that way, right? If it's not your aim, if this describes you, then why do you think that you're born again? Why do you think that you're truly saved and headed to heaven when you die? 
who told you you were? Or, or did you maybe just hear a preacher one day and, and pray this prayer and, and just, you know, I mean, I really don't want to go to hell. Well, if this describes you, the Bible says that you're deceiving yourself. And that if you practice those sinful ways of life and reject that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven, then Jesus Christ speaks to you today in Matthew 7, 21, 24. He says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have you not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Jesus just said, no matter if you call him Lord or not, if he's not your real Lord and you don't really love him and abide in him and walk as he walked, then he's going to tell you, get away from me on that day, the day you die and you come to see him. I never knew you. Please don't be deceived or self-deceived anymore. If this is you that I described at the end of the sermon, you're in need of repentance and truly being saved. How do you get right with Christ? And how do you become saved? Is it, is it, by, a, uh, is it by one simple prayer? Or, oh, well, I just, you know, I just believed in Jesus and then I became to be born again. Well, what does the Bible say? Well, what did last week's sermon say? What did I speak about at the beginning of this sermon today? Right? He who obeys Jesus Christ shall be born again. He who obeys Jesus Christ, God will give him the Holy Spirit. What did he teach that you have to obey and how to accomplish this? He said this. I just already taught it today, but I'm going to reiterate it again. Please, if anyone desires to come after me, he says, let him deny himself. Boy, I'm in big trouble. I need Jesus. I'm not right with God like I thought I was right with God. You better turn your face to heaven. And you better cry out to God and raise up your hands and you better invite him in and you better tell him you want him and and you're sorry for all the ways you lived and boy, I need you and and I need you to rule my life with your hands raised to heaven and then fall on your face and, and, and totally turn your heart to him. Then, it doesn't just stop there, right? He says then, take up your cross. Hey, live the holy lifestyle that God wants you to live. Because right? that's what God living in you is going to it's going to bring you. It's going to bring you to trying to live a holy lifestyle, right? And then He says, "Then follow Me, learn His ways, and keep them." That's what He said. And it's not just some simple prayer either. It's a true, heartfelt decision of turning to the Lord with all your heart and surrendering to Him as Lord and Master of your life. Lord, take the throne. I don't want it anymore. I'm a wicked, evil sinner. And I've been deceived. Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I need you. God wants you to be born again and saved so that you can spend eternity with him in heaven. But if your life doesn't match up with the way Jesus Christ lived, and you're not striving towards that, sin's not decreasing in your life as time goes on, then you must see that the Word of God says that you're deceiving yourself, and you're not truly born again and saved. Please turn to Christ today, but for, the, for real this time. And not just with some superficial prayer. Turn to Christ with all your heart today, and be saved. Turn to Him Now, for Jesus, John 3, 3, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Thank you so much, Lord God, for your words. Thank you so much, Lord God, for your love. Thank you so much, Lord God, that even you still love those who have been blaspheming your name and and using curse words with your name and, and, and practicing all those sinful ways that I just talked about, Lord, and even saying that they're yours, Lord, yet you even still love them. This is why you called me to preach this message and why you called me, Lord God, to make an emphasis on this this idea, this this whole false concept in my ministry since for the last like 11 years, Lord, you've given me this vision. 10, 11 years, Lord God, so you still love this person, Lord, but just because you love people, Lord, your word says that that doesn't make them right with you because, Lord, you forgot to love the whole world, Lord, so if you love the whole world, we know that you love everybody, yet that doesn't make everybody right with you. That doesn't make everybody 
that's accepted and received and surrendered to you. Lord, that just makes your love. And love surely does not expect anything in return. Love just loves. But Lord, in order to be loved back, <laughs> you expect that that love be received. Lord, so I just pray today, Lord God, that, that all those listening to me, Lord, if they're deceived, Lord, I pray your Holy Spirit would show them right now. And I pray, dear God, that you would bring them to their knees, that they would fall on their knees, that they would repent right now and turn to you and surrender to you as Christ, as the only way to heaven, as the true Savior of all mankind, Lord, so that they may be born again, so that they may be saved. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you for your great love. We love you and we praise you and we thank you. And we ask all these things in Jesus Christ's mighty name.